Amen, amen. Hey, who needed that this morning? Amen. Why don't we raise a hallelujah? Hallelujah, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. We lift you up and we worship you this morning. We lift you up and we worship you this morning. With all the things that are going on around us, Heavenly Father, all we can say is hallelujah. Your hallelujah means God be praised. And I don't know what's going on in your life. I know what's going on in my life. I know what's going on in my friend's life. I know the craziness that's going on around us. And all I can say is, God be praised. God be praised. Heavenly Father, bring me through this. Amen. Amen. Because it's happening to me, I know it's probably happening to you. I've had friends that have lost family members during this tragedy, friends that have lost jobs, lost confidence in God. And all I can say is, we are more than conquerors. Yes. In Christ Jesus. We are not more than conquerors in our own strength. We are only more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So hallelujah to you, Lord. In the midst of all that is going on, all we can do is say hallelujah. You know, in order to conquer, you have to attack. It's impossible to conquer something. And I love military history. It's impossible to conquer unless you attack. It's time for us to go on the attack in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So let me just pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. That no matter what's going on around us, no matter what's going on around us, Heavenly Father, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Jesus, that you are moving, you are making things happen. Maybe this is the time when you're saying, okay, my people are really going to count on me now. They're really going to look to me finally and not their own finances and not their own strengths, not their own things that you put, that we've put before him. But this will be a time where we say, Lord God, it's you and you alone. You are my comfort and my strength. You are my ever-present help in times of trouble. We can run into you and find safety. And so to you I say, God, be praised. And I say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy the Lord God Almighty. Father God, thank you for giving us the strength and watching over us no matter where we're at during this time of trouble. Thank you for watching over us and protecting us. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said Amen. 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 Thank you, worship team. I tell you what, I got to come on Thursday and I got to experience a little bit of this on Thursday, but I'll tell you what, it was, it was next level today. So thank you guys very much. Thank you guys. So we are working on our next steps. It's my pleasure to bring the last of those next steps. And let me just tell you, next steps isn't a place where you arrive. Hey, I've made it to my destination, and now I can, as the Bible says, 
build my barns and relax. Because you know what God says to that? You fool. Today, you will be called into an account. So you see, our next steps is really us taking the next step in this beautiful journey with Christ. And, and I don't know where you're at in your journey. I know where I'm at. Sometimes I don't even know where my lovely wife is at, right? I mean, we talk about things. We're empty nesters, so we get to spend a lot of time together. Our daughters laugh because we, we'll talk about, you know, last night we talked about this because we don't watch a lot of TV, and they're like, you guys have been married for 32 years. What do you guys talk about? I'm like, sometimes it just the weirdest things come up. And we talk about our spiritual growth, and we talk about what I'm currently reading. And I'll tell you what, if you haven't gotten a lot of reading done during this time because you can't do anything else, it's time to start, amen? I've read more books in the last two months than I read in four years in high school. Now, I read a lot of cliff notes, if you know what those are, right? Anybody? Hallelujah for the guy who invented cliff notes, right? But this is a great time. Man, I keep... Amazon thinks, man, I got something special going on because I keep ordering books. I'm working through C.S. Lewis books right now. Um, I'm not a fiction guy. I'm, I'm reading some of his apologetic books. Spend time building yourself up during this time, amen? There's no better time than right now to build yourself up. So let's talk about your next steps, wherever you're at, because it's this, it's this continual thing. So as we continue to talk about next steps, we want to help you take your next steps. And again, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you've never committed yourself to a life group or, or connected with, with friends in a learning group. Maybe it is time for you to start serving. Maybe it is time for you to start being faithful in your giving. I, I wanted to talk about, and Zach did a great job last week. I mean, he set this up so great for me, talking about starting and connecting. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you about connecting. About three years ago, I was not doing well. I mean, I still love God, but there was something going on in me. I don't know what it was. This crazy guy named Duke comes up to me and says, hey, we're starting this men's group. Why don't you come check it out? I'm like, man, I'm a pastor. You want me to hang out in a men's group? Right? Because us pastors, we're bulletproof, right? So uh, I'm like, okay, I'll come check it out. Reluctantly. So I come check it out. Let me tell you what we do. We talk about things that guys need to talk about. This is my uh, band from Band of Brothers. I never take it off. Sleep with it, shower. We go to motorcycle rallies, I wear it. We, we've gone on family cruises, I wear it. Get connected. Get connected. Everybody needs to be connected. Right? Everyone needs to be connected. We can talk about things at this life group, men's group, band of brothers. We can't talk about necessarily with our wives. Because sometimes they don't understand what we're going through. Right, guys? Say amen. Oh, right. I mean, we're men. Right? But we're going through stuff that sometimes our wives can pray for, but sometimes they can't relate to. So just a shameless plug for, for my life group, band of brothers. Amen. amen. So here we believe in loving God, loving others, making disciples. Really, that is the next steps. Everything we do in our next steps has something to do with loving God, loving others, or making disciples. 
But that's not where it stops. It's our continual walk with Christ. No matter where you're at. No matter where you're at with Christ. You may be on the high of highs. You may be in the low of lows. You've got to take that next step. So today we're going to talk about serve and give. And I want to tell you, these aren't the last two steps. These are just steps in your journey. These are just steps in where are you headed with Christ. Because if you're not moving forward, guess what? You're moving backwards. You're stalled in your, in your walk with Christ. And we want this body to be able to take Christ to the nations. And we can only do that as we're taking our next steps. No. The next steps that I'm going to talk about are actually the toughest. Why? Because we're talking about using your time, your talents, and your treasures. And let me tell you something. We all have an expiration date, and there's something about giving up time. Anybody busy? Everybody said, hey, we're going to meet here and we're going to do something for like five hours. Everybody's like, oh, dude, I got five hours to give away. No problem, right? Hey, I want you to write a check. Here's what we're doing. We're supporting this. We're doing this. We're moving forward, right? I'll tell you what, you start talking about people's time, talent, and treasures, and you start getting in their back pocket. And this is tough. These are the toughest two steps to be faithful and moving forward in. Because I don't know about you, but time is precious. Amen? Time is precious. That's why it was so hard for me to start reading during this time. Because I'm like, man, if I, let's say I read for about two hours. And I start cooking dinner. right? get stuff ready for when Kelly gets home. That's two hours I could be doing anything. No different than with your serving. And that's why when you serve, we appreciate it so much. Because we, are, we know that you're, that you're using your time. And your time is valuable. No different than when you're giving. When you're giving, oh my gosh, we, we appreciate that so much that you partner with us because it's your finances. Right? I look, I look at what Kelly and I have come through. We just celebrated, whew, 32 years. Wow. Right? That's, I want to tell you, people don't believe in miracles. So you got to check this one out. Right? The day we got married, I looked at my checkbook. And you know how much I had in my checkbook? <laughs> I had $1. I had spent it on her ring. I had spent it on a wedding. We started with nothing. And I look at where God has brought us to now, and I'm like, it, this can only be God. Amen? Anybody been there? I know you guys haven't been there. I know I'm talking about stuff that you guys have no idea about. Right? Right? You guys probably got you know, a couple billion dollars in your checkbook, whatever, right? So you have no idea what I'm talking about, right? The joke at our house is, if you mention ramen noodles, someone will get hurt. Because we used to take $30 to the grocery store, and 20 went on baby food and diapers. Anybody been there? Amen, right? I, I cannot stand ramen noodles. Anyway. Let's get back on it. Let's talk about serve. 
You know, I've heard a lot of people say over the last 30-some years since Kayla and I came back to, to, to church and started working around uh, church, a lot of people say, you know, the things that I do or that I can do, they're just so small. I mean, they're, they're just so minuscule. And I want to tell you, those things are important because they may be the one thing that no one else in here can do. Some people think if they're not doing, if they're not preaching, if they're not playing guitar, if they're not doing this, if they're not leading a ministry, if they're not important. I want to tell you, that is a lie from the pit. You are important and needed. No matter how big or how small your gifting is. Amen? Now, I could talk about spiritual gifts, and we can pull up Romans, and we can pull up 1 Corinthians, and we can run through the spiritual gifts and the natural gifts, and I, and I may get to do that someday. But until you set it down in your heart that, man, I, I, need, to be a, I need to start serving. Knowing about all of those gifts won't matter, right? It doesn't matter. Until you say, I need to move forward in my serving, whatever it is. And not just within these four walls, but out there as well. When I see some of our newer members and they're up here singing or they're serving in the back or they're doing whatever they're doing, it excites me because that means you've caught the vision of what we are trying to accomplish here at Gateway Church. I want this to be settled in your heart that you're a servant. Now, does that mean you serve every Sunday? No. Does it mean there's always something going on? No. But it doesn't mean that you can and you will? Yes. So let's go to that first verse. Here's what it says. Matthew 20, chapter 26 through 28. It says, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. Here's your first point. Service is commanded. Service is commanded by, I, by our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ. He came to serve and not to be served. Amen? He doesn't want us sitting on the sidelines watching things happen. I know you, you know I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a baseball guy. I'm not a football guy, but I'm going to use a football thing today keep everybody happy. Is Kimmy Han Ann here today? She's probably unconscious because her team keeps winning. Me, winning, Right? Um, Tommy Lasorda used to say there's three kinds of baseball players. There's three, thing, three kinds of baseball players. Are you ready? Players that make things happen, players that watch things happen, and players that wonder what just happened. Right? We want you to be part of those people that are making things happen. Amen? Join us as we serve. You know, there's a pastor. He was talking about the Ten Commandments. And he said, hey, I want to let you know. They're commandments, not suggestions. Right? It's no different than our serving. God wants us to use our time, our talents, and our treasures to move His kingdom forward. Now, I know we're all building our own kingdoms. Right? We all have our own little kingdoms that we're building. But something about moving his kingdom 
forward is important to him. Amen? All right. You see the kingdom of God? It needs your time, your talent, your treasures. And I know we're all busy, but no matter how big or how small your talents are, they can be used. Not just here, but out there. Amen? I want you to think about that part of your body that's just not that important to you. You just, you'd be okay without it. Now, I know with COVID, some of my friends have, have gone through that. They lost their, their smell and their taste, right? Man, that's pretty, that's no bueno, right? I mean, if your wife says, hey, what would you like for dinner tonight? It can be cardboard. I can't taste. It doesn't matter, right? I mean, I would hate to lose one of, one of those senses. But you just think, what's that one body part that you're like, man, it's okay if I didn't have it anymore? Your pinky. Oh, I like that. Who else? Your little toe. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. I never thought my little toe was all that important. And I know I've told this story before. Little toe is not important. I had this high school teacher. Uh, she was an English teacher. And she was my favorite. And she needed to be my favorite. Did I mention I didn't read a lot of books during high school? Right? And she used to always say, make sure you're wiggling your little toe. Otherwise, someday we won't have it. That's why she didn't do biology, right? Because she was English. She didn't understand how it worked. But I'll tell you what. That one time you're walking through the house, and my parents used to have real wood furniture, not like the stuff you put together today, right? And you hit that little pinky toe on that coffee table, and it doesn't move but that much. What is the most important part of your body right now? Your pinky toe. Listen, you may think you're the pinky toe in the body of Christ, but I just want to tell you, you are important. You are absolutely important. So, here's what, here's what Paul wrote. For the body does not consist of just one member, but of many. And because I say, well, I'm the hand, and I'm not this... Does that mean I'm not really part of the body? Or if the eye were to say, well, you know, I'm not the ear, so I'm not really that important. You get where I'm going with this? You're all important. So let's talk about football. What's the, and I want to hear you guys shout this out. What's the most important player on offense? Because offense is the best, right? What's the most important player in the offense? Quarterback. Quarterback. Everybody says quarterback, right? Most important. Now, somebody said Tom Brady. Is he still around? Oh, he plays for another team. Okay. He did, his other team didn't like him? He wasn't that good, so they got rid of him. Okay. So, so let's, say it's the, let's say it's the quarterback. Can, it, can most people agree that it's the quarterback, right? So let's talk about the quarterback. Okay, right? Maybe it's, uh, what's, a, what's the tight end's name? Gronkowski. Gronkowski. Maybe he's like, you know what? I know they want me to run down the field. Sometimes they want me to block. He's most important. I'll just stand here. We'll just watch him make it happen. Now, let me tell you who the most important is. It's those big guys on the line. Because if they don't do their job, bad things happen. Right? So, is it pretty honest to say, even in football, with those 11 guys running around, there really isn't a most important person, is there? 
There really isn't. Because without each and every one of them doing their job, the team ends up 1-15 in and they get lots of draft picks, right? That's what I wanted to talk about today in your service. You are important to the body of Christ no matter what you do. Whether you're teaching, whether you're singing, whether you're playing. I, I want you to think all the things that went on today. We had coffee. Thank, thank you for who made coffee. I don't drink coffee, but I know some people do. They need it. And those people that need coffee, make sure you get it. Okay? We had people greeting at the front. We got people at the back with sound. We got people singing. Somebody had to turn on the lights. Somebody made sure the heater was going. We've got people working in the back. We've got people working over there. There's so many things that are going on here that we need you. Now you may say, I don't know about this serve thing, right? Man, when I go to serve, it doesn't always work out well. You know why? Because have you ever heard of the book, God, Use Crack, God Uses Cracked Pots? Some of us have been through some stuff, and we're serving people that have been through some stuff. Amen? Because no one's perfect. Even Paul said, I have not arrived. But I've got great news. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Christ sent us a Helper. You may say, I don't know if I can serve. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do that. You can't. Because Christ has sent us a helper, the Holy Spirit, to help us. That's where our gifts come from. Here's, here's some of the things that the Holy Spirit does. Convicts the worlds of sin, dwells in believers and fills them, is a source of, source of revelation, wisdom, and power. He guides to all truth, including knowledge of what is to come. He's a seal in the lives of the believer. He helps in a Christian's weaknesses and intercedes for us. He makes new and gives them eternal life. He sanctifies and enables believers to bear good fruit in their lives. And he gives spiritual gifts to believers. And I tell you what, without the Holy Spirit moving in our lives and helping us, train wreck, dumpster fire, right? Anybody seen those for Christmas? They came out with the 2020 things that you could hang on your tree. It was a dumpster on fire, right? That's what ha that's, I'm telling you, that's what would happen if we didn't have the Holy Spirit working in us, helping us, moving us and making us, shaping us, molding us into Christ's image, it would be bad. Amen? Anybody ever try to serve out of their own strength? Oh, yeah. I tried to do youth for about five years in my own, own strength. Let me tell you, you can't, you can't fake it and, and make it with youth, Right? They smell blood in the water, right? You can buy all the pizzas you want, but it just, it's not going to work, right? We need the Holy Spirit moving and working inside of us. Here's Matthew chapter 7, verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. You know, I grew up in Southern Cal. I love the weather, miss the weather every January and February and March. I start whining and complaining. Kelly's had to listen to it for 30-some years. Uh, thank goodness they built an in and out And thank goodness I've been there three times and haven't eaten yet because I'm not staying in line for that long. But in Southern California, where I've lived, we had tons of fruit trees. We had orange 
lemon, grapefruit. There was a walnut tree right across the street from my home. We could go over with five-gallon buckets and just fill them up with walnuts. And let me tell you, so when they have the, if you've never seen a walnut on a tree, it comes with a green, sh- green shell on the out. Man, that hurts so bad when you throw them at people. But anyway, <laughs> um, and we had, some, we had a mango tree. And you know what? I never went up to a mango tree and was able to pick a lemon. Never went up to a grapefruit tree and found a lime. Never went up to that walnut tree, found an apple or an orange. They will know you by your fruits. It's impossible to hide, my friend. They're going to know your service. God knows what's going on in your heart. He knows how hard you're serving. For those that are, that are serving their guts out, thank God for them. Amen? So that next point is bear fruit. Bear fruit. We are God's garden. There's a part, I can't remember the verse, I apologize, it just hit me. It says that we are God's husbandry. We're God's garden. He's planting us. He's watering us. He's fertilizing. He's trimming. He's he's making sure that we're bearing fruit. And the fruit you bear is that service to others. Listen, you can talk about how much you care for someone, but until you serve them, it's just words. Amen? It's absolutely just words. Here's the last one. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Let me tell you something what that is. That's the serve playbook. That's the serve playbook. You know why? Because sometimes things are going to go south. Sometimes people aren't going to be smiley when you try to serve them. Sometimes they're not going to recognize that you've been serving your guts out. Sometimes that happens. And all you've got to do is keep loving them. Keep serving them in gentleness, in patience, in long-suffering. Sometimes long-suffering, right? Just, just love on people, right? Use those things that the Holy Spirit has put inside of you to love on people. That's what God has called us to do. Amen? I tell you what, who's been stuck with their kids during this time and they've become their teachers and their principals, right? Counselors, etc., etc. What a joy. What a blessing. Right? So let me just tell you, if you don't thank those people that you're dropping your kids off after you've been stuck with them for nine months, you got a problem. That should be the most funded of all the ministries at Gateway Church right now. You drop that child off and you're like, God bless you. God bless you. Can I bring you cookies? Right? I mean, let's be honest. Uh, Kelly and I got to serve in children's church. Uh, I was done with doing youth. We had a new new person coming in doing youth. I was done with youth. And we had a new person coming in to do youth. And they said, hey, why don't you help in children's church? I'm like, "Hmm, children's church. This could be interesting. You think you can't fake it with youth? Children's church. But I'll tell you what, let me tell you how much fun I had. 
whenever we would do Bible stories, I would dress as that character, which is definitely out of character for me, right? And I had so much fun. It's a blast to serve children. Let me tell you something. Some of those kids now, now they have kids. And I get to see what the, the things that I put into them that now they're doing for God. And I'm like, wow. God can even use me in that ministry. Amen? All right. Let's go to give. Hoo-hoo. Giving. Pastor Derek, let me talk about giving. Let me tell you something. When a pastor talks about giving, people get nervous. Now, we've already taken up the offering. That's an old joke. I'm sorry I had to use it. Um, let me tell you about giving. Kelly and I have taught um, Dave Ramsey many, many times. Dave Ramsey course, you know what I'm talking about? Hear him on the radio. Uh, financial peace. And so I want to say this. If there are families right now that are struggling, they need help, right? I'm going to put together a life group, and it's going to be Dave Ramsey, and I'm going to teach it. It's books. It's 12 or 13 weeks. I can't remember off the top of my head, and we're going to do it. We're going to do it right here. We've got rooms where we can teach, because let me tell you something. Here's what I believe and what I've learned about Christians. They want to be involved financially. Sometimes they just don't know, how am I going to do it? How am I? I don't, I don't know. I've done the math. Anybody ever done the math? And you're like, I don't know, right? So I'm going to put together a class. I'm going to, I'm going to announce it in the second service. And hopefully we get five or six families. We can use a room. I'll, I'll order books, and we'll do all that. Why? Because we want you to have that financial peace. Now, there's nothing like the peace that Christ gives, of course, right? That is the ultimate peace and freedom. But there's something about having freedom in your finances, right? So let's say six months down the road, you're at a better place than you are today. Who would not be happy with that in their finances? Amen? And let's, let me be honest. Can I be honest? Is it okay to be honest? What else are you going to do? Keep watching Netflix, reruns of Friends? I mean, it's one night a week, right? Let's do it. True? Kelly finds these things to watch on Netflix, and I'm like, I, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I think she wanted me to start reading, so she finds these things on Netflix, right? Anybody ever heard of Poldark? I know more about England than I do America now because of Poldark, right? Anyway, so let's talk about giving. I was reading in Forbes magazine an article read, uh, written by Peter Granich, and here's what he said, and he's the author of Confessions of a Wall Street Whiz Kid. And here's what he said. Money and possessions are the second most referred, referenced topic in the Bible. Money is mentioned more than 800 times. So let me tell you something. The church is an excellent place to talk about finances. Right? I know people start thinking about finances and they start wigging out, etc., etc. But I want to tell you something. 800 times, this is an excellent place to talk about finances. Here's what it says about his life. His years as, highly, as a highly successful Wall Street stockbroker left him spiritually depleted and clinically depressed. He says, the Bible is an excellent financial advisor. Whether or not 
you're religious. You know why? Because God makes it rain on the just and the unjust. And he's pretty smart. Right? Here's what he wrote. The writers of the Bible anticipated the problems we would have with money and possessions. And there are more than 2,000 references. Our whole culture is built on the premise that we have to have more money and more stuff to feel happy and secure. And I want to tell you, that is such a truth. I've bought a lot of cool things in my life. Cars and homes. I, I have a motorcycle problem, right? I only have one now, okay? And I want to tell you, and I have fun with them, and they're great to have, and I enjoy them. But, you know, after a while, it's just a payment, and it's metal. Can we agree on that? It's just, and I love cars. I was talking about cars this morning, right? I worked in the car business for 12 years. I love cars, right? I, I mean, I really like cars. Ask Kelly. I really like cars, right? But I only own one. Because after a while, it's just metal, and it doesn't bring happiness. Amen? It won't bring the fulfillment that you're looking for, and we're all looking for fulfillment. And we look for it sometimes in the wrong place. Here's what he goes on to say. Public storage, this is great. Public storage is the poster child for what's going on in America. We have to have more stuff. And we've bought into the fabricated myth by Wall Street and Madison Avenue that the more stuff equals more happiness. He adds, that's the, to that's the total opposite of the truth and the opposite of what the Bible actually says. He concluded the Bible talks about investing, giving, saving, debt, and buying. The Bible is an excellent place to learn about finances. Now, sometimes we don't know, and so we, sometimes we kind of work out of our ignorance. So I want to tell you as a kid, we never missed, missed uh, church. We, I grew up in church, fell away for three or four or five, six years, but always grew up in church. My parents never missed church until I was in about seventh-ish grade, something like that. And um, so I want to tell you about what I learned about giving as a kid. And this is what I took into my adulthood until I learned different. My dad, my pops, um, he always had $100 bills in his wallet. And I don't mean one or two. I mean like $100 bills. I don't know if he didn't have a bank account. I don't know what's, what the deal was, but he always had $100 bills. So I would go up to him as a kid, and this is the 70s, and I'd go up to him as a, as a kid, and I'm like, hey, Dad, you got a lot of money, man. Can I, can I have like $5? Can I, can I have $5? Because growing up in Southern California, and if you know about Southern California, we have something called the Driftwood Dairy. drive through dairies, they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Amen. You can drive up and you can order and they bring you eggs and milk and orange juice and bacon and they've got baseball cards and they've got chips and they've got everything. Anything you could want, they've got at the Driftwood Dairy. So I'm like, Dad, can I have $5? He's like, oh, son, I'm so sorry. All I have is $100 bills. And I don't want you riding your bike to the Driftwood Dairy, right? Again, this is the 70s. Ride your bike to Driftwood Dairy with a $100 bill and come back with change. And I always thought, I ain't coming back with change. <laughs> right? So, and, then, and, and there was only a couple things I wanted to buy. And if you're from my generation, you, this, will come, this will hit you hard. I wanted to buy Funyuns. I wanted to buy Big Red. And I wanted to buy baseball cards. That was, that's all. Right? And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I don't have any change. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. 
Now, my grandpa, he always had change, right? So anyway, so we go to church, and I'm sitting next to my dad, and we went to a big church. They had, you know, two or three services. I mean, thousands of people went to this church in Southern California. And um, the offering plate would come around, and suddenly my dad turned into David Copperfield. Because you know what he suddenly had in his wallet? A $5 bill. And so the offering plate would come by. He'd put in his $5 bill. I, I didn't know. I don't know where it came from. But that's what I learned as a kid was offering. No matter how much he had in his wallet, he'd always put that $5 bill. So Kelly and I start coming back to church. It's um, uh, February, February, March, 1991. And I know I'm going to church. So guess what I've got to make sure I got in my wallet? Because that's what I was, that's what I learned. I, I didn't know. So we come the first week, offering comes by, big money, boop, $5 bill. And I, and again, I don't know, right? I, I just was going on what I knew, right? And the next week, offering complaints comes around, and guess what? $5 bill, because that's what I knew. That pastor preached a, one of the, I'm going to say it's the greatest sermon I had ever heard on giving mainly because it was the first sermon I had ever heard on giving. He talked about God wanting to bless us, about God being my Jehovah Jireh, about being above and not beneath, the head and not the tail, blessed in the fields and blessed, as my wife is, at Coles, right? And he talked about how God is a blessing God if we line up with what God says that we're supposed to do. And he starts using words that are, can only be found in Poldark, like tithe. I'm like, tithe? What does that mean? I, I don't know what that means. And then he starts doing math problems. He says, well, that's 10%. And I'm like, sitting in my chair going, 10% of what? Right? Kelly and I had been married for about two years. We had, we had our, fir our first child was two years old. Our, our second child was on the way. Did I mention ramen noodles? Okay. Uh, and so, hey, I think $5 is great. I mean, I, I mean that works for my budget because I didn't have one. And, and this pastor's teaching about the, the goodness of God and, and all of those things. And he starts using things like 10% tithe. Now, I'm a math guy. I took in, in college, I took calculus one, two, and three differential equations. I, I, I'm a math guy. And I'm pretty good with percentages. And so I'm going, okay, I make $9 an hour, which I did, and I work 40 hours a week, and we get paid every Friday, and that's $360, 10% is $36 a week? Have you lost your ever-loving mind? Right? So he preaches it. Kelly and I go home. She puts the baby down for a nap. And um, I go, hey, what do you think about this tithe thing. And Kelly didn't grow up in church. Uh, she, she went with friends a couple times, so she, she's not familiar with, with the, the ins and the outs. And she goes, I don't know. I guess if it's in the Bible, we should do it. And now I become my negotiator self. And I'm like, well, you know, it's in the Old Testament, and that's where God wasn't very nice. <laughs> and I'm like, what if we did like 5%? And she goes, she's no help at all, except when I want to buy something. And she goes, well, okay, if you think that's right, go ahead. Yes. So, big baller, 
He shows up to church with his checkbook, 1991, we all had checkbooks, right? And I write my check for $18, right? Put it in the offering plate. I felt so terrible. Because I knew the truth. And the truth will set you free, and I was not free. So the next week, we're driving to, and I got paid every Friday. And we're driving to church. She goes, hey, do you want me to write the check? I'm like, man, this thing is going on in my head. Ramen noodles is going on in my head. And I'm like, yeah, write the check, 36. And she goes, oh, 36? Okay. I want to tell you, we've never looked back. March of 1991, we've never looked back. And I've said this in men's group, and I'll say it here. If you want to be blessed, be a blessing. It's impossible to get one without the other. All right, I know it's 10 o'clock, so let me, let me work through this. And here's what I want to say. I would rather live off 90 with God involved than 100 with Kelly and I. Amen? And, I, and again, I don't know where you're at, but I want you to take that next step, whatever it is. Wherever you're at on the Ingle scale, whether you're at minus 100 or plus 100, I want you to take your next step. So there's no condemnation today. But what I want to say is, whatever that next step is, take your next step. Amen. So let me run through some of these. Deuteronomy 8.18. Pastor Derek's like one of his favorite verses. But you shall remember with profound respect the Lord your God. For it is he who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant. He's confirming his promises and his covenant in our lives, which he swore solemnly promised to our fathers as it is to this day. We are nothing without him. Everything you have, everything you will ever be, everything you will ever have in the future, everything, anything that you ever had in the past, it's because of him. Or it's because of the lack of him in your life. Amen. That first one is our abilities come from God. Everything we have, singing, worship, the car you drive, the, the ability to dig ditches or, or work 800 hours a week, they all come from God. And that's why giving is so important. He asks for your first fruit, not your last fruit. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now let me tell you, there were times I wrote that whopping check for $36. It wasn't all so cheerful. I wasn't got the big smile that I got right now. Right? God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because it's his children doing what he wants them to do. Amen? So those two bullet points are be generous and be cheerful. You can't Outgive God. Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use it 
will be measured back to you. That next point is measure big. Here's why. In the last, we'll just say almost 30 years, since Kelly and I came back and started serving in churches, I've had so many people debate me on giving. I, I'm telling you, I could write three books on it. I've heard everything from the Old Testament. There are excuses from the New Testament. I've heard everything. I promise you, I've heard everything. This one gentleman, and he was in the youth group, and him and I, have, we've been friends ever since he was a teen. Um, he came up one time. He, got a, he had gotten a, a pretty good job. He said, so I know that we talk about tithing here. Um, should I tithe on the, on the gross or on the net? Anybody? I'm telling you, I've heard it all, right? Pastor Van's laughing because he's heard the same thing, right? And I'm like, I don't know, how big do you want God to bless you, on the gross or on the net? I'll let you figure that out. Because it's not my job, right? It's not my job. I'm not going to check your checkbook. I don't go in the back and check, tie them. It's not my job. That's between you and God. And let me tell you something. You try to negotiate with God, he's a really good negotiator. Let me tell you about Jonah. Right? Amen. Measure big, church. Measure big. You cannot outgive God. Now, here's the last one. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 through 17. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you for the things that are going on in that church down there, I want this church to be part of history. All right, last slide. What's your next step? I don't know what it is. Is your next step starting to use your time, your talents, and your treasures for Christ? Maybe your next step is, man, I just, I just need to line up with what God's saying, and I need to come into His kingdom. I've been building my kingdom, but I need to start building His kingdom. His kingdom come, His will be done. Nowhere does it say, Warren's kingdom come, Warren's will be done. We need to start building God's kingdom. Amen? Why don't we stand? Heavenly Father, this morning as we've spent time looking at serving, using our time, our talents, and our treasure, will you put something deep down into our heart so that we will become the servants of God that you would require us to be. It's not just your hope. Bible says Christ in you the hope of glory only Christ in us can cause us to serve and to give the way that you would want us to do that will you move on us will you make us thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to mold us and to make us into who you would desire us to be for your kingdom come for your will be done in Jesus' precious and holy name. And everyone said, amen and amen.